3: everybody, it is Thursday, October 6th, 2022, and it is indeed a heck of a morning live on the MA Fighting Twitter Spaces. Show will be heard in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck. Hope everyone's having a great week. We are heading into a weekend without the UFC, without Bellator, without major mixed martial arts going on. Of course, we got Glory. We got some boxing, but I think we need this little bit of a breather because things are about to get real interesting in the world of MMA, most notably for the UFC. We got UFC Vegas 62 next Saturday. It's a pretty good card. Main event is Alexa Grasso versus Viviani Araujo, and then... That's the go home show for the events that everybody is talking about, that everyone is looking forward to. UFC 280 in Abu Dhabi. That card is redonkulous. It is loaded. On paper, it's probably the best card of the year. And the main event is super, super interesting for the vacant lightweight title between Charles Oliveira and Islam Makachev. And then it's just onwards and upwards. The, the next bunch of UFC events are really interesting. Some good-made events. We head from there into the Calvin Cater-Arnold Allen card. Then it's Mavzar of Loya versus Bryce Mitchell, that card. And then it's on to UFC 281 at MSG, Madison Square Garden, and then on and on we go to UFC 282 on December 10th, and the UFC will close up shop on December 17th. And I don't really have any kind of a layout of how this particular show is going to go because I think we're just going to treat this like we treat the Friday show. I mean, if we're being honest, every day is kind of a free-for-all here. There's no real agenda. We just go and let you talk about whatever you want to talk about. And that's what we're going to do here because we did a show yesterday and we already reacted to... The Kevin Holland news, we talked about the Justin Gaethje stuff. I know the undercard for the Jake Paul-Anderson Silva fight had their little, they had their virtual media day yesterday. Dr. Mike was dropping lines, who's fighting Nate Diaz, protege Chris Avila. So we can talk about whatever the hell you want to talk about. BTL will be fun today. Just wanted to talk about that. 1 p.m. Eastern, little BTL action. We're going to just do a roundtable. Talking about where myself, Damon Martin, A.K. Lee, how we're looking at the year-end awards for the X Martial Arts, which we'll obviously have for MAFighting.com, knockout, submission, fight of the year, rookie of the year, male and female fighters of the year, all that fun stuff. So that's what we're going to talk about today on BTL at 1 p.m. Eastern who's in the lead of those categories, who's in the mix for those categories, what can change over the next couple of months. I feel like we're going to be in agreement on some stuff and some stuff we might get a little tiffy about. So I'm excited for all of those things to talk about all of that stuff. And still, I'm not telling you what's happening with us at UFC 280 just yet, but it is happening and it's going to kick ass. So with that being said... Let's start with Tristan Gordette. He was first in line. Tristan, hey, hello. Hey, how
4: you doing, Mike? Um, I just want to ask this question, uh, a couple questions here. Um, did you get to hear the bow Nickel yesterday or no? I
3: haven't okay. had the time, okay. honestly. Um, okay, that's fine. That's fine. Yep. Yeah, I haven't had okay. the time.
4: Um, now, I just, look, I confirmed a couple of sources here that um, it's announced, uh, well, it's been reported at Sayikou... Madov will be facing Saeed the Medov. December 17th UFC, UFC Vegas 66 that 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 fight is, if that fight is true that is a that is a banger of a fight Mike I like both fighters on that on that card that's a pick and fight I don't that's gonna be a lot of pressure on Saeed to win that fight hashtag Saeed on Saeed a lot of pressure on Saed Medov to win that fight there he is kind of close to getting to the top to possibly face a top 15 opponent and kudos to kudos to saiku because it looked like he confirmed it on his twitter that he's like i'm not cherry picking any fights i'm i'm going all the way to the top i'm taking you know i'm going to take the toughest fights so listen that fight is going to be a banger i i uh, man that's that's going to be that's i am surprised that uh saeed took that fight um it's a dangerous fight he has to win that fight. If he doesn't win that fight, he's not going to get. He's not going to get close to the top fifteen at all. He's gonna. He's gonna take a couple of notches back. As for Saikou, what a way to start your UFC career! You f- you face Trevin Jones, I think, in your debut, and then you go and fight Ronnie Lawrence, gets both of those wins, and then now you face Said. You win that fight. I mean, I guess the UFC is very high on him. Saiku could. I mean, if he gets that win against Said. I mean, this guy could be facing, I guess the winner. What I guess the winner of what uh, Victor Henry. I forgot who he's facing. Maybe face him, or someone close to that top 15 or probably get a top fifteen opponent, such as like a maybe a uh, Umar and Who knows? But I mean, unbelie. I mean, wow, unbelievable. So I just want your uh, thoughts on that. I know MMA fight hasn't confirmed it yet. So just let me know if it's if it's if it's ongoing. If that fight is a go. Also, too, here. I want to talk a little bit about the Alexa Grasso versus Viviana Rajo here. Alexa Grasso has got to be looked at a little bit more and talked about more. Now I know she's on a three-fight win streak. I think her debut against uh, JoJo uh, Wood, Andrew Wood, or JoJo Wood now was her possibly—I think her debut, if I'm not mistaken. If I'm looking at her in the uh, MMA fighting global rankings, here she's ranked uh, number nine. So I, I think she's got to get more love here. I mean, she has been absolutely – that was probably her best performance uh, on, that happened in March. So, you know, what what's your thoughts on Alexa Russell here? Big spot here. She's got to be talked about more. I think I think if she gets a win over here, beats Viviana Rajo, Roger, you know, it's going to be big things are going to be happening for her at that point. So just your thoughts on those two fights there and what you think, and have a, have a good morning, Mike. Thanks.
3: Thanks, man. Yeah, let me let me pull up our rankings real quick. Where do we have her? Um, do we have her at nine? I thought she'd be higher than that. I have Grasso. Yeah, I actually have her at nine. Yeah, I have her at nine. I got Valentina, Santos, Jessica Andrade, Chukagian, Lauren Murphy, Liz Carmouche, Juliana Velasquez, Fioro, and Grasso, I, I think nine's fair. I think nine's fair, and I have Arujo at, at 10. So I, I think that's a fair spot. I think Fioro has honestly beat better competition. I think Lauren Murphy, I mean, she just fought for the belt and then she pieced up Misha Tate. Chukagian just continues to win. And I think Jessica Andraj is top three pound for pound women fighters in the world. So and then Carmouche is the Bellator champion. Velasquez is winning that fight the entire time until the finish, which was kind of controversial when a lot of people say I think nine's a a decent spot but at the end of the day, the rankings don't really matter all that much because Fioro we have Fioro at eight, Grasso Arujo right behind. and between the three of them, this is probably like a little mini tournament to determine, Who's going to fight Valentina next? Now, who knows if Chukagian beats a uh, beats Manon Fioro? Maybe they throw her back in there, but I just don't know if the world is ready to see that again, especially with how dominant Valentina was the first time they fought. But Grasso and Arujo could definitely set the tone. They can get a nice little jump start, and then if Ma- if Manon beats Chukagian, she's getting the title shot. And if Chukagian wins, then I wouldn't be stunned if the Grasso Araujo winner gets a title shot. But that, again, UFC needs main events. They need big fights coming up. Maybe Brazil, UFC 283. They do the Amanda Nunes-Valentina Shevchenko champion versus champion fight. So a lot on the line there. I like the fight. I mean, it's there's stakes, and I like when main events have stakes. And there are stakes here. And I like the... If that is the case with the Sayed Nurmagomedov-Sayedikub-Hakramanov fight, I love that fight. It's a great fight. If Sayedikub c- confirmed it on Twitter, then I would say it's probably a go. But uh, it's a little early to be reaching out, asking the managers, uh, especially the ones who I would speak to on um, about this fight. So hopefully later today, we will be able to confirm that fight as as a go. But I like the matchup. I like it a lot. Let's go to my buddy Toke, Mister Dudu Pick himself. Yes, I can.
5: I'm trying not to get shouted at today. That was fine yesterday. We'll keep it clean. <laughs> we'll keep it non-controversial. So what? Um, what I'm thinking about? I saw Shy and Blissmas. She uh, confirmed on her Instagram that she's fighting uh, Corey McKenna and uh then is it safe to assume that the i don't know how many quotation marks i should use here the issues that kept her from fighting all through the summer that they're gone uh and what do you think about the matchup and uh because it's two it's two good prospects in the division but it seems like it's Maybe that's just me and being bad at matchmaking, but this seems a bit early to put them together um, for my liking anyway. So I just wonder what you think about that. And uh, yeah, let's have a happy day. Let's not shout at each other today, yeah?
3: Yes. Thank you. Uh, I thought you were going to come on and be like, oh, Patty Pimblett should fight Joaquin Silva next or something like that because... I'm just joking around. Yes, I got a little heated yesterday, but uh, I apologize, Toke. Yes, that fight is confirmed. Um, I don't know, honestly. I-, I don't know if the issues are clear. It seems like they are, but we thought they were kind of clear before because she was supposed to fight. She was supposed to fight like last week, wasn't she? Who is she supposed to fight? Hold on. Let me pull this up real quick. I am. Who is she supposed to fight? And then the the fight didn't end up happening anyway. Oh, she's supposed to fight um, Tabitha Ricci. She's supposed to fight Tabitha Ricci and then Cheyenne had to withdraw, um, I guess, for similar reasons. Um, But it seems like they're okay. It seems like things are fine. But again, I I honestly don't know. I, I confirmed that the fight is happening on December 17th, as you probably know, and I still take a little bit of crap for this whole thing. Uh, Cheyenne and I are not buds. Apparently, uh, I have no issue towards her whatsoever, but she apparently has an issue with me because of an interview we did earlier this year. And it was just one of those. And I, and I've talked about it before. Uh, I don't think I've ever talked about it here. Um, but basically, I mean, you can go to MAFighting.com and and see it. We did an interview. It was, I think it was after, it was like a few weeks after she won in December. And I reached out and I wanted to do interviews with her. And she was really busy. She was traveling and we couldn't get it done. And then one day I reached out to her. I'm like, hey, you want to do it again? Do you want to do it this day? And she said, yep. She goes, I'm traveling right now. I'm on vacation. Um, So let's do it. And I said, okay. So she tells me she's on vacation. She's traveling the world. And then we do the interview. And the first question I ask her when someone tells me they're on vacation and traveling the world, where are you? Because that's like the first question I would ask anybody if they said, oh, I'm on vacation right now. My first question would be, where are you? And then she said what she said that she didn't want to tell anybody where she was and she was and, and i remember that was like one of those weird days for me because you know i did the interview and i wrote up everything she said and it was like really confusing and i didn't know how to how to handle it because i i will admit i'm not a great writer i am not a tremendous headline generator i that's not my forte that's not my forte so the headline comes up And I think we all know what's happening between her and her, I don't know if soon to be or about to be ex-husband, J.P. Bays. And it was this whole thing that people thought the headline was clickbaity, which by definition it actually wasn't. And it turned out to be this big thing. And J.P. responded to it on Twitter. And it wasn't good. And so, of course, we had to get J.P.'s side of it. We got JP side of it, and it was just a friggin' nightmare. It was just a friggin' nightmare, and it was it was it was ridiculous. So she's—I don't think she's too overly thrilled with me. I haven't tried to like reach out to her since, but um, I do know that the fight is happening. I confirmed her side from people with knowledge of the situation. The people at her camp, people that she's trained with, have no issues with me. Uh, I don't know how she feels about me. I don't know if her and I are going to be doing any interviews anytime soon, but, uh, there was what I did. We got next that podcast. I gave an explanation about it like a couple, couple days after the fact, because it was just, it was just a nightmare. And I just think it was portrayed in a way that it probably shouldn't have. I just think she's very young. And I just think the way it came out, just, Didn't, I don't know. It's just the way that we had to transcribe it. I'm like, how do we even write this up? How do we even headline this? And we just went by definition and so forth and so on. So, but she talked about the issues that she was having, um, dealing with the divorce and stuff and wasn't sure when she was going to be able to fight. And JP was dealing with a lot of the same stuff when I talked to him. So seems like things might be clear now. I think a lot of time has passed and hopefully We get to see her back in there. I I think Cheyenne's a great fighter. I like her as a person, uh, and she's got a lot of potential. There's no doubt about it. And I actually think this is kind of a mismatch. I think she's going to destroy Corey McKenna. I like. I think Corey's a, a good young fighter too, but I just think Cheyenne is just is just better than her almost everywhere here. I think she's got she's fought tougher competition. She's more dynamic. She's a really good striker, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm picking Cheyenne to win that fight. I'm definitely picking Cheyenne to win that fight, but yeah, it should be an interesting matchup and hopefully all the things are cleared up and we could see her compete. That would be, she's an exciting fighter. I want to see her fight.
0: The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA.
3: Let's go to Mikey Bass. You haven't heard from him in a minute.
6: Mikey, hello. Good morning to you guys. You missed me? <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Always. I have no idea. I, I, missed the other, I missed the other day, but you're talking about ranting and raving. I'm like, wait, aren't you like a Boston sports fan? Isn't your entire existence about being miserable? I'm just kidding. Love you, man. <laughs>
3: I'm a stubborn I'm, a stu- I'm a stubborn SOB. I mean, listen, I, get I mean, I'm, I'm listen,
6: cool, I'm, I'm a cool complex West Coast guy, but trust me, I feel you on there. I just like kneeling Boston guys as a Laker fan. You know what I mean? So, um, but yeah, uh, just to give, just going to give a quick rundown of stuff. Um, Got to give a shout out to the new Adam Waite champion of the world, Jillian DeCorsi. I don't know if her, I think her sub should be up for submission of the year. Not that it'll win, because I know there will probably be some other cool shit that'll happen later this year. But I think that was the way she, listen, to submit Dalboni the way she did in the manner she did is just monstrous. I mean, the UFC needs to freaking add an Adamweight division. It's getting ridiculous. It's almost insulting. Actually, it is insulting at this point. After we've seen that division, I know one championship's Adamweight division is technically like strawweight, but you get you get the damn point. Um, and, and honestly, as a feel-good moment, that's a pretty damn good feel good. MMA Twitter feel good for me. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to go too far, but that was almost as that was probably the closest thing I would have felt to if Roxanne Ferry won the, the UFC title all those years ago that we all hoped and prayed for, but unfortunately things didn't happen. Um, Love the, it's, it's, isn't it kind of weird that the UFC is doing like this weird, like two bye weeks, but with a card sandwiched in between? I mean, I understand certain schedules are up, but I thought that was kind of weird. So it's nice to have a little respite before the, they do the strong run this weekend. And as I've been ranting about slowly, um, not to dump on UFC 280 because it's an absolutely fantastic card. It's going to bother me that two of those fights shouldn't be on there simply because if the UFC is trying to promote people as stars, to put Aljamain Sterling and Manon Fior on the most random location ever is just frustrating to me. Aljamain Sterling and TJ Gilshaw should be moved down a month to the MSG card. For the love of God, how many times, I believe there's only two American champions, not that I really give a shit, but apparently, you know, the tribalism thing, right? Like America versus the world stuff. There's only two American champions, Carla and Aljamain, and both of them relatively fight it from big markets. How in the world do you not have Aljamain Sterling? A black Jamaican man from freaking Long Island, not fight on Madison Square Garden. It's promotional malpractice. practice. And Manon Firo, if I'm not mistaken, I understand it's because they rescheduled the fight with Chu Kagan and all that other stuff. But they should have left her on the Paris card. You know, just drum up some top fifteen fighter to fight her, and then rebook her in a in a contender fight later. The whole point is you want people who've never seen her fight to make her look like a star. You go to Paris for the first time and a homegrown female fighter from Paris, and you don't put her on the card. It just, it doesn't make sense to me, man. Like, and and I can, I can usually show for the, and I show for the UFC a lot and I understand a lot of their decisions, but like, sometimes you have to call it what it is. You know what I mean? Like even perfect example, Kamaru and Leon to this day, still kind of bugs me that, they were in Utah. <laughs> you know, you could have put that fight in London, but you put it in Utah. You could have put that fight in Florida because Kamaru at least trains there. It, but again, that's, you know, not going to cry over Spillman. That was cool. But I'm just saying, you want to maximize some of these moments for these fighters. You know what I mean? And it's just, I feel like sometimes the UFC has is losing. They don't have the full near sight that they need to have for some of these bookings. You know what I'm saying? That's all. Ultimately, you know, great fights are great fights, no matter where they happen. I'm just saying I would like to see. Because don't be sitting there talking about, like, whoa, the UFC lacks stars, and they don't have this, and they don't have that. And then they position fighters who could become stars in, like, the weirdest fight cards. You know what I'm saying? Anyways, that'll be all this morning. Much love to y'all. Be kind. Till next time.
3: Thanks, Mikey. Yeah, Julie de course, she was nasty. She is a beloved figure in the MMA Twitter space, so good on her um you know she's essentially like come out of nowhere uh to have a nice run and I mean I've been talking about trying to get an atom weight division in the UFC for a long time and it's just one of those things where it makes so much sense but it's just I just don't think it's going to happen I think I think Bellator should absolutely do an atom weight division they don't even have a freaking straw weight division they don't even have a freaking bantamweight division they have a flyweight and a freaking featherweight division. It's just so bizarre. They should just jump in and be like, hey, we'll do this. Be very smart on their uh, uh, on their part. The title fights, like, look, I, I, we have to understand the relationship that the UFC has with Abu Dhabi. And they, are, they have to put two title fights on for these cards. That's the deal they have in place. They have to, with this new deal... The new stadium, everything, the amount of money that they're paying, the UFC has to present them with is the, one of the, is the best car as they could possibly put together. And they just didn't have a ton of options. They had Oliveira versus Makachev. We needed a second title fight. Didn't seem like October was going to be an option for Carlos Sparza. She wanted to wait a few weeks. November it is. So, I mean, what else is available? They had to just put Aljamain and TJ on this card, and this would have been much better if it was Aljamain versus Jose Aldo instead of Jose Aldo fighting Marab, and now he's retired, and we're not going to see him fight for the belt. But it's it's fine. I mean, I, I get that it would be cooler to see him fight at MSG, but it's just it's just the way that it is. It's just the way that it is. Aljo's on the better card, so I actually think it's actually. In a weird way, he doesn't get to fight at home, but I actually think it's i think it's better for Aljo. I think it's better. I like the fact that it's early day MMA. People are going to be real excited to watch it. I think it's a great fight with TJ. I'm very intrigued because we haven't seen TJ in a while. We saw him in the Sanhagen fight, and a lot of people thought Corey won that fight, but I was talking to Eric Nixick about, this, about that fight in particular, and he, he essentially got me to watch it again. And I went and watched it again. I'm like, huh, this fight's actually closer than I thought it was. And to see TJ kind of overcome adversity, it was, it was pretty impressive going back and watching it a second time. But that's just why it's there. It's not like a... It's just, oh, we need to put a title fight here. What do we have? Okay, we have this one. And this is just how it works out. So, And then same thing with, with, with Fioro that was a whole nightmare too. Cause it was supposed to be Manning versus Chukagian for Paris. And then, then it was Manning and Just Andrade for Paris. And then Just Andrade got hurt. And Chukagian's like, yeah, I'll take the fight, but I'm not fighting in September. We can do it in October. Okay. Here we are. And you, at this point, you can't put Manning in there with just like a, a random fighter, especially now with, we got this main event with Alexa Grasso and, Viviani Arujo, there's a lot of stakes there. You gotta put her in a big fight. You gotta put her in a big fight, and this is the one. And again, it's not fighting at home, but there's gonna be more eyeballs upon her for this one uh against Caitlin Chukagan. So I mean I get where you're coming from, but I'm not I'm not torn up about it. I get where they're coming from. This is just the deal the UFC has in place with Abu Dhabi, and this is just another big fight on a on a really stacked card. Let's go to Octagon Blog. I'm great. How
7: are you?
8: If she wins this fight against Kathleen uh, Chakodian, I think the best will be, I think that the UFC see the strategy to bring her up at the next Paris uh, event next year. Maybe if the fight uh, with... Uh, Valentina Shevchenko. If Valentina Shevchenko will fight with Amanda not going on, it depends on on the negotiations. But I think that's the you see the strategy because France is an enormous market. It is similar to Britain if it comes to population, only it's a single, very single big market. The Americans should understand that. Thank you and good luck today.
3: Thanks, man. Hey, listen, I agree. If they want to they want to get Fierro's title shot on, in Paris. I'm down for that. But again, we got to see what happens. We got to see what happens, how they how they book this thing, if they do Valentina versus Amanda. And if they do Valentina versus Amanda, how's that all going to shake out? When will they go back to Paris? If they do Valentina fighting Amanda in January and then they go back to Paris in like March or April, or even sooner than that, you could do an interim title fight. I'm fine with that. I'm cool with that, too. So, yeah, I think her next fight should be in Paris no matter what. It all just depends on when they're going there and who's available and whether she wins or loses October 22nd. Paris is a place they're going to go back to probably every year now. And to have her on the card certainly isn't going to hurt. Let's get Corey Anguish in here Corey. hello how's it
9: going mike uh you know you're talking about the paris fighters and stuff and it made me think of francis again and i know it hasn't really been visited very much lately but i can't help but reflect back on the francis issue and i kind of think he kind of got played into the whole situation you know tyson really propped him up and i think tyson kind of you know punked him a little bit he got a little notoriety off of him put his arm around him in the cage and then kind of swept him to the side now he's Got a uh, you know knee reconstruction, and now he's going to have to renegotiate with people that he kind of you know soured previously. So I mean, I can't help start thinking about that. We maybe have uh, as fans and people have pushed Francis into a kind of a negative situation here.
3: Yeah, maybe, but I actually think in a way, especially at that point in time, I, I think Tyson helped Francis a lot there, bringing him in the in the ring and stuff like that. Now Tyson Fury is also Tyson Fury and he says he's retired one day and then he's trying to fight Anthony Joshua the next day and he's putting deadlines on signing contracts and all these different things even though we know that it was almost impossible for those deadlines to be met Tyson's playing everybody If we're being honest so I still think that fights I still think that fights a possibility I certainly think it's in play it's just going to be like an exhibition style fight of some kind and it could still happen but Francis, I feel like Francis is going to resign with the UFC. I feel like cooler heads are going to prevail in all of this. And even if he doesn't, everyone's going to want Francis. He's going to get big money with any promotion he goes to, whether it's Bellator or PFL or if one takes a shot at him, there's, he's going to be fine. He's going to make money. He's going to be a star. But I just feel like there's so much money on the table potentially for Francis versus John Jones. You got to make that happen. You got to find a way to make that fight happen. And I think Francis is, I think Francis will eventually resign. I don't know if there'll be a, a contingency in place where he gets to fight Tyson Fury. I'm sure the UFC at some point should be like, yeah, whatever. If it happens, cool. Like we'll let you do it as long as we're a part of it. But we'll see what Francis ends up doing. This is, this is a, this is a massive story. And then as MMA typically does, the news cycle just continues to churn out different stories and different big things. And, you know, Hamzat Shemaev becomes a massive story multiple times throughout the year. And it's just, it's just tough to like keep track of everything, especially with the France fight happening at the beginning of the year. Did that interview with Ariel Hawani and that was bonkers. Just hearing some of the things that, he was accusing the UFC of doing, and it, it was just nuts. So we'll see. And the Francis thing is holding up a lot of this stuff, in my opinion, in terms of what's going to headline UFC 282, what's going to headline UFC 283, when's he going to come back and fight, if he comes back and fights, what's John Jones going to do, what's CPA going to do. Francis started the year as the biggest story in MMA, and I feel like over the next couple of months, it's going to return to him being slowly but surely, again, the biggest story in MMA because no one knows what the hell he's going to do. And it's very interesting. Let's go to... Hey, up, man? Hello,
10: Sup, man. How are you? How are you, you I'm good. Yeah, so um, I have two uh, things I want to ask. The first one, um, just in regards to UFC saying they want to go to certain countries or locations around the world and, you know, in the next coming years there's a few countries I would really like to see UFC visit, you know, countries such as like Saudi Arabia, um, Paraguay, Par- Uruguay, um, you know, Czech Republic, Poland, uh, Malaysia, uh, Qatar, South Korea. I think it'd be a really good way for them to expand their fan bases more um, and kind of shows that, you know, they're hitting different location targets and building the brand up on the international level. Because, you know, we've seen the UFC now, they just hit France recently, uh, a few years ago, they went to Denmark. Um, you know, they've been going to Australia for like the last 15 years. So it's just really interesting to see, you know, the diversity and how huge brand is going. It's reaching that like NBA football level, tennis level of popularity and uh, global success. And my second question is when do you realistically see Francis and Ghana returning to the UFC? That's all I have. Thanks, bro.
3: Thanks man. So if Francis resigns, I think by March he will fight John Jones, March, April, somewhere in that neck of the woods. There's no way I I know earlier in the year on his YouTube channel, he's saying, I'm going to try to come back by the end of the year. There's just no way. There's just no way that's going to happen. So uh, I have talked to his coaches about it. They feel like December is impossible but February, March, April makes makes sense. They think it's possible for him to come back early 2023. So, yeah, I would expect that if, if Francis does resign, he's fighting John Jones right out right out the gate. They're not going to do Jones versus Stipe. They'll just go right to John because that's what you should do at this point. Why? Why risk John fighting Stipe? What if he loses? Then all the luster is gone, and. You know, what if John wins, but they beat the shit out of each other for five rounds and John can't fight till the end of the year. And then you get Francis on ice still. It's, you don't, it's, I would say the UFC is looking to just go right to Francis and John if if it's possible. But again, we got to get Francis re-signed. Yeah, I mean, and I think the UFC will visit a lot of those places that that you mentioned. I know they've been to a couple already. They've been to Poland. They've been to the Czech Republic. But obviously the pandemic changed a lot of things. They haven't been able to get back. And I expect some of those places that they've visited before or haven't visited, they're going to start taking a look at these places. I think they're going to travel a lot more. I think they're going to hit some benchmarks they haven't hit yet. They're killing it right now. They can go anywhere. They can go anywhere. They can build relationships with these governments and get paid to come to these places. So, It's kind of like WrestleMania. WrestleMania like bids for the cities, like bid for the WWF or WWE to go to their certain locations. And the UFC has deals in place with some of them already. So yeah, it's, I I could see them definitely hitting a lot. Africa has been talked about a lot. I think that's probably gonna be like the first thing they think about. I think Canada, I think they're definitely going to want to get back to Canada first and foremost, and then they'll start, Sort of looking at these other places. Now they have, they're definitely going to go to London once, I mean, probably twice a year now. They're definitely going to go to France once a year now. And then they'll just do an Abu Dhabi once a year. It's just a matter of how they could fit all these different international spots in throughout the year and still tap into the market that helped make them where they are now, which is the United States. When are they coming to Boston? When are they? Going back to some of these other areas, there are other places that had cards scheduled right around the pandemic started and those cards got canceled. You know, when are they going to go back to those places? When are they going to go back to Portland, Oregon? When are they going to go back to Seattle? Where are they going to go back to some of these other places that they had things lined up for that these cards couldn't get done? But they're going to hit... As many markets as they can over the next few years, I would say.
11: Let's go to Don. Hello, What's Don. What's going on, Mike? Uh, heck of a morning, two sweet day, all that stuff. I just uh, I went to see AEW's three year anniversary show yesterday in DC, but that's not what I'm here to talk about. Um, I wanted to ask you about Sadiq Yusuf. So, I uh, seen at the end of his fight with Don uh, Sh- Shainless, Shainless, Shameless, something like that. Um, he said that he wanted to fight Korean Zombie. And then I seen on his IG that he had posted that he wanted to fight Bryce Mitchell. I know Bryce Mitchell has got a fight coming up, but um, who do you, what do you think is a, a a better fight for him or a good fight for him? I think he needs a guy in the top. Something he needs like somebody. I think, I think he's ready to, to eat again um, and feast on a, on a top guy to see where he like stands in this. He's kind of been in the same position a little bit uh, for, for a minute now. So, who do you think is a, is a better pick for him? I like the Korean Zombie pick. I, th- I think that's a very uh, winnable fight for him, too. Not saying Bryce Mitchell isn't, but boy, that would be crazy. It'd be a crazy fight. But have a two sweet day, man. Hug of a morning, all that jazz, and enjoy that Dunkin's, man. I hope you're sipping on some Dunkin's right now. All right.
3: Be safe. Thanks, man. And yes, I am. Uh, every day, every day, Mike Heck runs on Duncan. I wake up nice and early. I get a workout in. My wife has to leave the house to go to her teaching job at 7 in the morning. She runs on Dunkin' as well. So after my workout, I go to the drive-thru and get a couple of large ice black coffees. She takes one to work. I bring mine to work. And we're all set. We're good to go. So Deke... I mean look every every featherweight trying to get over the hump wants to fight Korean Zombie. They saw they see Korean Zombie as a guy who's sort of on edge. He just got lit up like a Christmas tree by the champion. They feel like he's beatable right now. And Korean Zombie is is a pretty big name in this division and they feel like this is prize fighting. They feel like he's the biggest name but not the most it, it Zombie's good don't get me wrong but They feel like he's a winnable matchup that can get him over the hump. And I just don't think he's going to get that fight. I just don't think he's going to get that fight. I think maybe the – like I could see the Bryce Mitchell, Mavzar Loyev winner getting Korean Zombie before I see the use of getting Korean Zombie. What I suggested was he fights Ilya Teporia next. I think that's a great fight. And it just depends on, like, what's going to happen with Ilya on October 29th. Like, is he going to stay on that card and fight a short-notice replacement? Or do we just want to pull Ilya from that card and have him fight Sadiq later on down the road? Either way works. You could still get to that fight. But who knows? I, I just don't think Suddiq's going to get that fight. I don't think he's going to get that fight. He's had opportunities. I mean, they gave him Arnold Allen. He lost that fight. Had he beat Arnold Allen, he would have a better case for Zombie, but he didn't. So, yeah, go fight Ilya Teporia. That's a, that's a That'd be a big win for him, and we'll see what happens.
1: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals.
3: Let's go to Ahead, my man Ahead. Hello, sir. You're muted, so the world can't hear
12: you. Mike. Yes. Can you hear me now? I sure can. Okay, so the thing is is this, Mike, it's just like uh, yesterday I didn't come on. I had so much to say. So so it's just um, the first thing is that The first thing is that you just fell out.
3: Good God, Ahead. Be professional, damn it. Let's go to double A. A man average
10: avenues. Yellow. Good, how are you? I've got, I've got two for you. Um, one is Brennan, Moreno, Davidson, Figueiredo. their fourth fight isn't going to be the last one. Is, is there a chance that we actually see them fight a fifth time? And um, with it being, I think, I believe it's the fourth anniversary of Habib versus McGregor, just your thoughts on that rivalry. It's probably the darkest in UFC history, I'd say. Um, yeah, um, hope everyone has a good day in the core. on YouTube. Mike. Have a heck of a morning, man. Cheers.
3: Thanks, buddy. Um. Yeah, I mean there's the biggest it was the biggest build in UFC history, it was the biggest fight in UFC history, it was the biggest fight card in UFC history. And it was one of the darkest times in UFC history because of the build and because of the the rivalry between those two guys and the lines that were crossed along the way. It was it was tough to watch, but it was also super compelling. I mean, I I've talked to John Annick about the build to that fight multiple times and he he's told me a million times that nothing compares to the feeling he had when those two walked to the octagon that night, and then the fight goes the way it did, wasn't really all that surprising. And then everything with Habib jumping out of the cage and all that, and no repercussions really, didn't get any real punishments and stuff like that. I mean, it was just it was a dark time, but it was such a crazy event and such a crazy build, and it was just did bonkers numbers it'll be the i just don't know if we're ever going to get to a place where we have a two million buy rate pay-per-view again like that one i don't know if there's going to be a fierce enough personal grudge and a rivalry that will match those two guys i don't know but it was a it was a crazy time and that fight was bananas absolutely bananas Let's go to Crypto. Crypto, are you there?
7: Yes. Yes, Mike. hope you can hear me. What's up? Yeah. I got you. Thank you. Uh, Yeah. Okay, Mike. So so I have a question for you. Maybe a different question. But looking at UFC 280, I mean, the card is just amazing. It's crazy. Uh, I mean, even if we look at the prelims, (laughs) there's a bunch of great fights. But let's assume, Mike, that if you had to choose one of these fights that uh, for some reason would not happen due to any issue or, yeah, a fighter just basically maybe not making weight or something else, which fight do you feel that would be? If there's one fight that is not going to happen. So that's my first question. And then just a quick one, Mike, because I really – I, I kind of feel bad for Sarukyan. And I, I know you talked a little bit about this, but I'm just – I, I, didn't, I didn't like uh, the matchup between him and Gamrot not because I didn't like the fight the fight was amazing but I thought it was way too early I, I, I didn't fully understand why you matched those guys up that early so my second question is uh, Mike is uh, Sarukian getting the, <laughs> the short end of the stick here fighting Ismagolov because I'm just wondering what does that actually do for him um, yeah that's all Mike thank you
3: Thanks, man. UFC 280. You know, I'm not going to answer that first question because I don't want to put any negative juju out into the universe. So I'm not even going gonna... to... I, I like where you're coming from. We're thinking outside the box. But I'm not going to answer that. Because I want all of those fights to happen. The Sarukian thing, I've talked about it on the show before when when the fight was announced and when it was made the main event. That was not the plan. The plan was not to do Armand Saruqian versus Batush Gamrot. The plan was to do Armand Saruqian versus Gregor Gillespie, and Gregor Gillespie didn't take the fight. So then we're left with, okay, who is going to take the fight? Gamrot said he would take it, and the rest is history. And from what I understand, Saruqian is having a lot of the same issues right now. Trying to get a guy in ranked up there a little bit. And I mean, if you're managing one of these top ranked 55ers, if you're managing Gregor Gillespie or anybody like that, do you want to fight Armand Sarukian? I sure as hell don't. So Demir is in. I'm sure his management team feels a certain way about that because they're both managed by the same crew. And it's just a great fight. Like it's a great fight. It's good for both guys, honestly. Um, I mean, did anyone really think that the Gamrot-Saruki on-flight would lead to what it led to? I didn't think the winner would get, like, Benil Dariush. I thought, like, the best they would get was Gillespie would just have to say yes because they both guys would be ranked above him or at least I know he's not – he's been inactive, so I don't think he's in the official rankings now anyways. I know he's – I don't think he's in our rankings. He might be. Let me just check that real quick. Uh, yeah, he is. He's still – Right around the top ten in our ranking. So, but I've even off the loss, I have Sarukian ranked above Gregory Gillespie. But that's just, I mean, it's just the fights that are there. There's Eve doesn't need it. Chandler ain't gonna do it. Dari, Chandler's booked. Darius is booked. Machacek's fighting for the belt. Gaethje's hurt. Poirier's fighting Chandler. All trying to get the belt back. There's not much for RDA to do. He's booked. Ferguson might not even be a 55 anymore. So, I mean, the only real options were Isma Gulaf or like a Jalen Turner type, honestly. So, that's just the best you could probably get at the moment. It's probably the only ranked guy that would say yes or was available at the time. So, yeah. I can't wait for that fight. And I've talked many times about how much I love the Sarukian-Gamron fight. And it's why it may not... Hold on a hit. It may not be, uh, it may not be the, it might not win fight of the year, but it is, might be my favorite fight of the year. All right, ahead, go ahead.
12: Uh, Let's try this again. Now it seems to be working, Mike. uh, So much to say. Firstly, the UFC 282, I wanted Colby, Hamza, but it looks like Hamza is being drafted into war. Like, and he's going to literally, like, that's what, some stories I'm hearing, and he's um, being drafted in to fight Ukraine, and he's going to literally kill everybody. Now, this time, he's taking that phrase literally. I don't know what's going on. Um, secondly, one championship. They lost, I think it was $100 million in 2021. Luke Thomas said it totaled $300 million. That's insane. Like, as in, we talked about this, about how one messed up. I didn't realize. Oh, man.
3: We lost him again. We lost him again. I'll talk about the Hamza thing. I know I got asked about it a couple of days ago. I didn't hear anything about it. Um, and then, obviously, once you get off the show, I could go on Twitter and and see the different reports about it. Um, that he was basically detained in Russia. Not really detained, but he had his passport taken away, and he was kind of stuck there and wasn't able to travel. Uh, Brett Akimoto from ESPN came out and basically said that wasn't wholly accurate, that he's just in Russia and that he's there visiting family, and then he can leave whenever he wants. And I talked to a member of Shemaev's team who basically confirmed the same thing. So that's just what they're telling me. I don't know what's true and what isn't, but I did reach out to somebody from Hamzat's team, and they basically gave me the same thing they gave Brett. So not really sure what's going on there. And the one championship thing, go check out Bloody Elbow's in-depth write-up about one's financials. I've talked a lot about one on the show and they have good events on Amazon Prime, but they do a lot of things wrong to make a long story short. Let's go to Viking. Viking, hello. Hello. But Michael Chandler.
8: I mean, he was a Bellator champ, was dominant there. Mm, but as he entered in UFC, he just won against Hooker and Tony Ferguson, and lost lost fights against uh, ideal and better fighters, Gechi and Charles. But what if he loses to Dustin? Does that means he was beating an average fighters in Bellator or Michael Chandler himself, an average fighter? And just one thing, uh, who is going to be on? Tonight's BTL panel, I missed the part when you mentioned their name last night at the end of the show and this other thing. Uh, my girlfriend really missing the heck of a morning and being in here. She's too busy with her work. And she's your big fan and she told me to forward a message to you. Thank you, brother.
3: Well, thank you and thank her as well. And the beauty of this program is if you miss it live, you can listen to it later. It's right on the podcast network. So she can hear your kind words and my thank you to her as well. Uh, I will be AK myself and Damon Martin on the BTL panel talking about the chase for 2022 awards. Jed Michoud will not be there. He is retired. I did reach out to see if he had a Kevin Holland type feeling about his retirement. And uh, as of now, it seems like he does not. So no Jed, but it'll be AK and Damon. We'll have a, some fun banter. It just we're just gonna basically hit record and, and get after this thing and talk about awards and how things can change over the next couple of months. The Chandler thing, I don't think he's. I don't know, man. It's Poirier. I mean, they're both top six dudes. So I don't know, like the Gaethje one. He, I mean. I picked Michael Chandler to knock Justin Gaethje out in the first round. I just had a feeling that like nobody was giving Chandler a chance and I was like, this dude should probably have more of a chance than people are giving him. And I felt like I was very close to that happening, but it didn't happen and Gaethje just kind of picked him apart and, and let's not forget go back and watch that Charles Oliveira fight. He was a go to the ground away from becoming the champion. He decided to go to the ground so they keep the fight standing and We could be talking about Michael Chandler, the champion right now, but we are not. I don't think he's an average fighter. I just think, like, Chandler's talked about it many times. He's not in there to wrestle in the UFC. He wants to put on the most exciting, crazy fights possible. And I think thus far, through his four UFC fights, he has done exactly that. And then some. He is one of the most exciting guys on the roster. Are there things he says in interviews that I don't necessarily agree with when it comes to Towing the company line? Not necessarily, but the dude is going in there and bringing excitement every time he fights. So, yeah. How can you not be happy? How, how how could the UFC not be happy with this investment? They have to be thrilled with this investment. And this fight with Dustin Poirier is going to be a crazy, crazy-ass fight too at UFC 281. I can't wait to see it. Let's go to Zeke and then we'll go to Milo. Zeke, what's up? Zeke, unmute. Zeke! We lost him. All right, Milo.
13: Milo, what's up, man? How much how are you, Mike? Good. Great. Uh, Yeah, I wanted to make a comment maybe about the Khabib Connor situation. I think, like from the Khabib's perspective, jumping off the cage, uh, from the PR perspective, was probably the best thing that happened to his career because it kind of energized his base, and uh, there were those people kind of divided, really, right? There was a mixed reaction, uh, but I think from the point of like from the coverage standpoint and the social media engagements and stuff like that. I think this was probably the best thing that could have happened to his career. Uh, Nevada State Athletic Commission obviously withheld his purse. And I think that was, uh, that was, there was a financial detriment to that. Uh, but I think overall, like I said, from the PR perspective, it was pretty huge for him. Uh, and then in terms of the Sarukin fight uh, versus Jumagulov, I, the problem with Sarukin is, is that nobody wants to fight Sarukin, right? And uh, it's a general problem with the uh, you know top of the echelon, where the fighters you know who are ranked you know do, do not want to fight with a lower uh, le- uh, ranked opponent. So I think this is kind of was was predictable. Uh, from the matchmaking standpoint, I think uh, Mateusz Gamrot uh, versus Benil Darius uh, on the paper should be a ti- uh, title contender fight because of the amazing streak that Benil has had. And Mateusz is obviously coming as a, one of the top contenders, uh, but I think in reality that might not be the case because if uh, if Michael Chandler, Chandler beats decisively Dustin Poria and you know does his fa- famous call out, he's probably going to get the winner of uh, Charles Bronx um, Charles Oliveira versus Makhachev. I think Makhachev is going to win this fight, and I think I would love to see actually Chandler uh, Chandler fighting. Uh, Makhachev uh, for the title, and then from the Gambard perspective, I think it would help his career to fight somebody like Justin Gagey because then it would elevate his, um, you know, s- uh, status, and he can steal some thunder from Justin and then fight uh, Makhachev uh, or uh, or Chandler next for the fight. Thanks.
3: Thanks, man. Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you just said. Darius Gambard should be a number one contender fight. And it might like sort of domino effect end up being that way, but I'm not putting any hard earned money on, on that at all, especially with Connor lingering out there, if especially if Oliver wins. If Islam wins and Poirier wins, then you could probably make a case, but if Chandler wins and Islam wins, that's probably the, that's probably the direction they're gonna go. That's what I think. And I'm with you on the Sorokian thing. All right, Ahead, come on now. You're killing me.
12: So how much did you hear from the last time? So I know not to repeat myself.
3: Um, the last thing I heard was you were talking about one championship, losing 100 million, Luke Thomas at 300 million, and then you
12: fell off the face of the earth. Wow, okay. So um, if you address those points, I won't repeat it. The last two was connor said he's moving up to 170 right so you know the fight to make is connor and leon for the welterweight title it, connor doesn't deserve anything but screw marty okay that that's like it's so big for european mma especially if connor wants to go to 170 why not and because he's using all those steroids to get big maybe he can't get down to 155 anymore and that's the last way to say is steroids. We should make steroids legal because Conor McGregor's using steroids. USADA hasn't tested him. You know it's corruption. And the other Conor, Conor Ben fighting uh, Chris Eubank Jr., tested positive for steroids. Now uh, all these undercard fighters are going to lose their money. Uh, and apparently there's been corruption there. Eddie Hearn, Ariel's best friend, tried to sue uh, apparently, Matchroom tried to sue the re- uh, boxing regulation for doing their damn job. So we might as well just let steroids be legal and let, like, he- let's like, let see how far human performance can go. Finally, drop the mic, Mike. Uh,
3: you're speaking Jed Michoud's language about the steroids. So he would agree with you. Jed has no issues with steroids or performance enhancing drugs. Doesn't care if everybody's on steroids. Doesn't care. Uh, yeah, the the... The Ben, the the, the Eubank Connor fight is just ridiculous. That whole thing is just a mess. What a nightmare that has turned out to be. And who knows if Connor actually fights at 170 or fights at 155. Who the hell knows at this point? Guys aren't even clear to compete yet. I mean, who knows? Who knows? If he goes to 170, just do the, I mean, if they give him a title fight, sure, but they're going to do the Usman fight first doesn't mean he's not in the discussion for later on in the year and I'm sure Leon Edwards would have no issues fighting Conor McGregor. Just like you would have no issues fighting Jorge Masvidal. So, I mean those are big fights. You could do McGregor and Masvidal. I mean there's there's a number of different ways you can go with Conor. It's like so hard to match make for him because all avenues make sense. You can make an argument for all of them and it's I don't know. I'm kind of tired of talking about Connor right now because we just don't know what the frig he's gonna do. All right, Zeke, how's your connection? So, all
9: right, take two. How are we?
3: Good. Yeah, it it's ridiculous.
9: One day he wants to work immediately. Next day it's bipolar. Who knows? Who cares? Let's get after it. Uh, it actually was me who asked you about the Hamza. Uh, passport disaster fiasco it actually happened that day i'm pretty sure it was monday or tuesday not 100 who knows who cares my big thing to you is what does this do for him in his future but you get ask this question almost every single day so let's move on Said namagomedov looks like he got a fight uh oh boy i do not want to ruin his name but i'm gonna give it a try are you ready Said? Ready. D- y- y- d- boom- kak-a-ramanov. Oh my God, he could record that. That was a disaster. However, this guy's a dog. This guy wore Ronnie Lawrence like a backpack. I don't think he's going to wear Saeed Namagomedov like a backpack. However, I think this fight's going to be awesome. Lastly, I really don't know what to do this weekend, Mike. So what do you do on a weekend without a UFC event or a high caliber mixed martial arts fighting combat sports card? Thank you,
3: my man. Let's have a week. Hey, listen! If you want to watch combat sports, Glory's having a, a nice little card with quite the compelling main event: Alistair Overeem and Badr Hari. So you got something there, something with some legs, something with some juice. WWE's got a got an event Saturday night: Extreme Rules in Philadelphia, the home of Extreme. So that should be an interesting watch in itself. I will be spending time with family. Yeah, that's what I'm going to be doing. Might go play golf with my kid. At least go to the driving range. I know there's my wife wants to go do the fall thing. I know it's not, we don't have a ton of fall activities like I did in Massachusetts, but there's pumpkin patches of some kind in South Carolina. So we will probably hit those up. And it's a long weekend for us. So. Be some family time this weekend because it doesn't happen all that often. Usually Saturdays it's UFC time or like last week we had multiple events. It's nice to have the occasional week off where you can enjoy it. And then it's just off to the races. October 15th, we got a card and then 280. A lot going on for me that weekend as you'll find out. And then we got just a bunch of great cards coming up. So Bellator is going to be in Milan Italy coming up, and let's just enjoy the weekend off. If you want to, you know, go see a movie. I'm excited next week Halloween ends comes out. I'm going to be seeing that. Uh, next week, I believe, yes, Mazdal's, uh Icon FC is coming back to this area in Savannah. So I'm going to go check that out on Friday of next week. Uh, I'll try to get some time with Mr. Mazdal again, like I did the last time they were here. Uh, so yeah, I'm just going to enjoy some family time. I do have to work a few hours on Sunday, but other than that, I'm going to unwind and recharge the old batteries. So, all right, I think we're done. I think we've hit up all the calls. I've gotten everything. So thank you very much. We'll be back again tomorrow. We'll do it again. Free for all Friday where we can just cut loose and just talk about whatever the hell we want to talk about. Uh, don't forget BTL 1 p.m. Eastern today. Very excited to not talk about Mark Zuckerberg because that w- we would have spent 20 minutes on that today. And I don't want to talk about that shit anymore. So we're just going to have some fun, go a little outside of the box, and talk about the year-end award conversation where we're at with just a couple months left to go. So... Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for being a part of this. If you're listening on the Podcast Network, tip of the cap to you as well. We'll see you tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Eastern, right here on the MMA Fighting Twitter Spaces. Have a great rest of the day. And as always, have a heck of a morning.
0: Vox MMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours.